Hi, welcome to Tab's Two Cents. Today on the show, we have Jordan Syatt. Jordan is a very accomplished wrestler, power lifter, and a nutrition coach. Jordan is one of the best personalities on Instagram, in my opinion, and we talk a lot about finance and fitness and how lessons from each discipline transition into one another. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Tab's Two Cents, the show where we discuss multiple income streams and macro factors affecting the world today. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I thought we could just start with a little introduction, a little bit about yourself and your story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm a short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy. I like to lift (laughs) weights and help people with their fitness and strength training and improving their nutrition and their relationship with food. I've been doing this a long time, been doing a long time. So I really got into fitness from wrestling. So again, like I'm short, I come from a very short family. My mom walked in the living room one day when I was eight years old, and she told my brother and I she was going to put us into wrestling because she wanted us to be able to defend ourselves. And at eight years old, the only wrestling that I knew of was like WWF style wrestling. And so I remember I looked at her and I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? She was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling, which I had no idea what that was. But she put us into wrestling and I fell in love with it. Like I absolutely fell in love with it. I was never good in school. I wasn't, I I was in special education, actually. I didn't have good attention span and I wasn't very good at just putting things together in school, but athletics always came easier to me and sports and fitness. So any type of athletics or sports or any of that, I just fell in love with. So wrestling for me was an incredible outlet and I was fortunate to be good at it. So I ended up making varsity as a freshman. My freshman year of high school, I beat a junior out for the varsity spot. And I was good from a technique and endurance perspective. But you know, as a freshman, I was 14 years old. And I was mainly going against 16, 17, 18 year olds. And there's a pretty big strength discrepancy there. And so I was like, how am I going to get stronger? So I, I actually applied to a gym a couple towns over from me. I grew up outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And I just wrote them an email. I said, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll do whatever you want for free. I just want to come and learn how to get stronger. And I was really lucky because number one, they accepted and they took me under their wing. And number two is they were a very science-based facility. And so from 14 years old, I got into a a very science-based strength training and nutrition background. And I worked there all through high school. And so that's all I've ever done is just train people and coach. And I've I've done this since I was a a young teenager. Yeah, I think that's an awesome story because you've clearly found a way to utilize the skills that you have naturally. You know, as a as a smaller guy myself, I'm like, you know, five eight. I'm not gonna be somebody who's gonna be, you know, running the four hundred meter or or whatever, but you gotta find what's good for you. And my show's a finance show and it's a similar kind of idea. Maybe some people are more inclined to budget, whereas some people are more inclined to pay down debt. But whatever it happens to be, you gotta be good at what you're built for you know, from personal level. So I think that's a great story with with your wrestling and how that's kind of transitioned into nutrition and the way that you've created a brand for yourself on Instagram, which is obviously very successful. How did you find, you know, your niche sort of on Instagram and, you know, started out with that? You know, it for Instagram, at first, I didn't even want to download it. Like, I, It's funny, I only use social media for business. I If I didn't have a business on social media, I wouldn't even have a smartphone. I would just have a flip phone. Like, and I, I frankly miss those a lot. Like I, I love, I love flip phones. And if my business wasn't online, then I wouldn't have a smartphone. I wouldn't use social media, but it's a very, it's an incredible tool. And I, I love it for that aspect. And there are many positives of it, but my ex-girlfriend, when I was 
in my early 20s was like, hey, you got to get on this thing called Instagram. And I was like, fuck that. And I still had a flip phone at the time. I was like, I'm not I'm not doing it. Like, I, I didn't want to get on it. This is before I had an online business. I was just like, ah, whatever. I, I had an online business, but it was all via website articles. So I started writing website articles in 2011 and doing email marketing. And I was like, I don't need social media. I don't want social media. I don't want to be on there all the time. And she was like, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it. Finally, I got on and I was treating it just like most people use social media, which is I was just, you know, I would post pictures of my dog. And like, if you scroll down my Instagram, like really, really, really far, you'll see pictures of my dog and like just random stuff. And, and then I would post random pictures of me lifting. And it wasn't until about 2016 where I really started taking it seriously where I really started posting educational content just in. And so in terms of finding my niche, it's actually very easy for someone, especially in the fitness industry to find their niche, because in the fitness industry, there are three main goals. You have strength or you have performance-based goals. Like you want to improve your performance in sports or athletics or something. You have pain reduction-based goals. People want to get rid of back pain, knee pain, whatever. And then you have your aesthetic-based goals, lose fat, build muscle, change how you look. Those are the only three options in fitness. And realistically, no matter who you are, everyone wants to look better, right? So everyone falls under the aesthetic-based option. And then I also have a huge background and passion for performance in terms of getting stronger, improving your speed, agility, all that athletic stuff. So I've combined looking better naked with having better performance. And I have no interest and no background knowledge in the pain reduction side. So I don't talk about that. And if anyone asks, I refer them to someone who I know is way better than I am. So the niche part is super easy. I just post about what I know. It's funny, people like will invite me to do speaking gigs. I was just talking to someone who's invited me to a speaking gig and my wife laughs. She's like, I never prepare for a speaking gig. I never, ever prepare. She's like, I don't know how you do that. It's like, cause I'm only going to talk about things I know anyway. I like, I don't need to prepare something because I know, I know my topic. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to talk about anything else outside of what I know. So I never prepare for speaking gigs or podcasts or anything just because if the topic strays from what I know, all I'm going to say is like, hey, I don't know about that. And I'll switch gears from teacher to student and I'll learn about it from whoever I'm talking to. But it's for me, my niche was very easy because I'm just going to educate people on the stuff that I know. Yeah, I think that's a great outlook on that. And, you know, I like getting guys like you on the show because so many of these lessons transition into finance as well. There's kind of a quote out there in finance, invest in what you know. Mm. And, and that kind of keeps people away from, you know, cryptocurrency, if you don't know what that is, or keeps you out of commodities, if you don't know what that is, and maybe just stick to, you know, Apple, if you're on your phone, it's like, okay, <laughs> I know what this is. I know what this thing does. I know why people like it, invest in what you know. And in your case, you know, speak to what you know, which brings me to another thing that I noticed with your Instagram, it, a lot of it comes down to a long-term outlook, because mm. it's funny when you look at the charts that you post for fat loss. You know, they kind of go like this. They don't, you know, it's up and down like all the way down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's just like somebody analyzing a stock. It's not going to be a smooth ride to the top or in your case, to the bottom of fat loss. So I wonder if there's anything you've learned along the way, sort of from a mental toughness aspect that could help people sort of maintain that long-term outlook for whatever their goal may be. Yeah, I mean, the reality is this, like, I mean, speaking about finance, so I actually have had a, a very bad relationship with money my whole life in terms of, I get a lot of anxiety around it. It was always a big issue in my house growing up. We did not grow up with a lot of money and it was always a form of a, 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 st a stressor, always, like no matter what. 
like if we were lucky enough to go on a vacation, the entire vacation was worrying about how much money we're spending. So it was like, we couldn't even enjoy it if we did go on a vacation, which was rare, but money was always a fear. We were going to lose the house. We were going to like, whatever it was always. So I grew up with money equals anxiety, money equals fear, which was very weird for me as I started to build a business and I started to make money. I ended up going to the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of I didn't spend anything. I just saved and saved and saved and saved because I was like, I don't know if this is all going to go away. And like, that was just my mindset. Like, I don't spend money. I save money. I get it. I save it. I get it. I save it until I got to a point where I remember I started to talk to an investor and my my friend is an accountant. And, and basically they were like, are you investing this in anything? And I was like, no, I'm just keeping it in the bank. And like, well, how much do you have in the bank? And I told them, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need to get this out there. And, and for me, it was a huge amount of anxiety. I was like, why would I do that? Like, this is safe. This is here. But I didn't understand this long-term mindset and, and how it can grow over time. And I just, I was uneducated on it. I was very, very uneducated on it. But the one thing that, whether it's, it's strength training or wrestling or jujitsu, the, the fitness world, which is what I know is, Number one, you have to educate yourself on it. And number two is you have to understand that nothing is going to happen overnight. And any time in any endeavor in my life that I've tried to get the quick fix, whether it's fat loss, whether it's muscle gain, whether it's it's strength gain, whether it's finance, whatever it is, any time I've tried to get the quick fix, I've regretted it always, which is actually why one of my best friends was telling me like, get in on these NFTs, get in on these NFTs, get in on these NFTs dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars on NFTs. And I was just like, I'm good, bro. Like, I really don't want to. It's like, I don't, I I don't, I have no desire to just because I don't know. And, and I told him, I was like, listen, I would rather not invest this money and lose out on potentially making millions than invest this money and lose thousands. I was like, I would, that's like the way that I measure it. It's like, I would be more mad that I lost a couple hundred thousand, then I would be happy from making a couple million. And then, and so for me, and I think that for him, put him a, a lot of perspective for him as well. He's like, oh, okay. Like that's a different way to look at it. So for me, anytime I've tried to make a quick fix or whether it's quick money or quick fat loss or quick muscle gain or quick strength gain, I do something stupid and I regret it every single time. So for me, it's, it's a lot less about the day to day and more about, well, what's going to happen in five, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that goes with that just another quote that came to mind is something i like to live by is you don't invest what you can't afford to lose mm. and in your case maybe it's not you won't be able to keep the lights on if you lose that money but emotionally the damage that, that could do for losing that money i'm so dumb how could i have done that mm. what's my family gonna do especially with your history as you say with money and the anxiety that that could cause you know, you, you can't really afford to take that risky of an investment because emotionally it could be harmful. And yeah. I think something else that goes along with that, uh, similar to finance and fitness is unrealistic expectations. So something I thought that I would bring up that goes with nutrition as well as, as finances, some people might sit back and look and say, this guy's got his mortgage paid off. He's got 100k in the bank he's making all these risky stock investments but you never know where those people started from so Correct. you know maybe that guy's family gave him that house or guy or girl or or maybe you know they had some kind of inheritance or won the lottery way back you never know and with fitness it's more of a genetic thing some people what i've learned are just naturally gifted you know you and mm -hmm. i will never be tall 
but <laughs> I, I will some never people, Yeah, and some people may never have abs, but that doesn't mean they can't be fit. You see UFC fighters out there, they don't have abs, but those guys are at peak performance. Yeah. So I wonder if there's uh, something you could give as far as advice for people who may find themselves comparing themselves to people who are out of their you know, personal zone or an expectation for them. Yes, there's a lot to discuss here. And so I'm a research guy. I really like diving into this stuff. And the more comfortable I've gotten with finances and money, the more I've actually started looking into and educating myself on it, or probably because I've educated myself more, I've gotten more comfortable with it. But so there's a lot to discuss here. The first thing I think is in terms of, you know, there are people who inherit a tremendous amount of money. There are. What I found interesting is if we look at the research, most millionaires are self-made. Most people with over a million dollars like do it themselves. There is a small percentage of people who actually are who get it from an inheritance, but the majority are self-made. Like that's they didn't inherit it, which for me is one of the best motivators ever. Because it's like if the majority, if the vast majority could do it on their own, then so can you. You can it's like it's a huge, I think. And, and I say this the exact same thing with the genetics argument with fitness. People are like, oh, well, they have the genetics, they have the genetics. It's like you're using that as a justification not to try. You're using like the genetics or using the, the, oh, well, they inherited that. Cool. What does that have to do with you? Like, not to mention, I think inheriting that amount of money is a huge disadvantage, not necessarily from a finance perspective, but from a life perspective, inheriting a tremendous sum of money usually doesn't end very well for that person. They usually aren't very happy on a happiness scale. They aren't very fulfilled on a fulfillment scale. Oftentimes, they're far more likely to be getting divorced. They're far more likely to be unhappy individuals, whereas the people who really work for it, they're way, way happier, way more positive, way more optimistic because they've seen what it's like on the other side, and they've put in the work, and they've put their, their heart and their soul into it. Same thing with the people who have achieved amazing things with their health and fitness. It's like, you take these people who started on one end and they get all the way to the other end. It's like they worked so hard and they know how unhappy they were on the other side versus these people who've just been genetically gifted, which is a very small percentage, a super small percentage of people are just genetically gifted and stay that way forever. Oftentimes we see the results of the genetics at a very young age. So we all have friends in middle school, high school, maybe even college who are just genetic freaks. But by the time they're 40, like those genetics like are not what they used to be. And so it's like, that person really, really struggles because they relied on their genetics. It's like the person who relies on the, the funding from their parents until all of a sudden that funding runs out and they're like, now I got to work. Now they're in deep shit. Same thing with the people who are like focused on you only using their genetics. They never work out. They never focus on what they eat. And all of a sudden they're 40 years old and they're like, they don't look anything like they used to look and they don't know why they don't know what to do versus the person who started off having to work from the very beginning. And they know what they have to do. And they're actually usually happier because they know how unhappy they were before and how much happy they are, happier they are now focusing on their health and fitness. So I think that it's a huge advantage to not have these things from the very beginning and to start with that working, that work ethic. And, and obviously it's harder, but people are happier, more filled and better off from it. So there's that aspect. And then in terms of like genetics for health and fitness, even like the vast majority of people are not going to be the top 1%. In fact, 99% of people are not going to be the top 1%, like we know for a fact. So, but just because you're not going to be an Olympic athlete or be shredded to the bone doesn't mean you can't put some real extra years on your life. And not only more years, but a higher quality of, of, of life those years. Be with your family longer. 
see your kids get married, see your grandkids, maybe even your great grandkids being able to like, I mean, for me, when I do jujitsu, I roll with some guys who are, and some women as well, who are 60, 70, 80 years old and they're training, they're fighting. I'm like, that's amazing. That's incredible that these people do this several times a week and they're that age. It's like, that's what I want to do when I'm that age. I don't want to like be sitting at home on the couch or unable to walk around because I'm out of breath. And you don't have to be a world-class athlete to do that. You just have to stay consistent and move on a regular basis. Absolutely. I 100% agree. And I think that that's sort of where I was going with the unrealistic expectations. And, you know, it's like, you can do it. You might not do it as fast as somebody has those extra advantages, but you can do it. And 100%. It's, that's the thing is you, if you keep that long-term mindset, and I, I've noticed it as well. Like I'm, I'm getting into my mid thirties now and, you know, some of the guys who are straight up studs back in the day, they're, you know, they're drinking lots of beer, their activity is golf. You know, these guys are starting to get a little more out of shape than they used to be. And yep. I can't, honestly, it's, it's shocking because some of these guys were, you know, amazing athletes and still could be if they wanted to, but it, it's just the lifestyle creep. And, it happens both in finance and fitness. You know, you start spending more money, you get a bigger house, you get a bigger car, you, you go to restaurants, you get a family, you do all these things. And then all of a sudden your inheritance is gone. And, you know, as you're an adult, you start to, you know, drink beer, sit on the couch more. You're not out riding your bike every day like you were when you're a teenager and all of a sudden you're fat. So, I mean. So I, I used to work with professional athletes on a, I still do on a, on a, a smaller scale, just kind of enjoyment. But that used to be my profession was like more working with higher level professional athletes. And because I thought, I think almost every coach, personal trainer thinks like, hey, I'm going to be a strength coach for a professional team, professional athletes. It's a dream. And I very quickly realized it was not fun for a number of reasons. Number one, there's a lot of politics. Number two is you have to be super careful with their training because if they get injured, you're injuring millions of dollar contract and you're, you're reliable and it's a real issue. So it's a lot of ner very nerve wracking. But the biggest reason I didn't like training professional athletes is the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them didn't work hard. They were great athletes, not because of their work ethic, but they were great athletes in spite of their work ethic. And this is why a lot of times we see these pro athletes, once they're retired, getting out of shape so quickly, they put on a lot of weight, they uh, are not healthy, because they were relying on like the little bit of work they were forced to do for their career. And once their career is over, they're not in shape anymore, they're not doing anything. Whereas we see other people who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s, who are not pro athletes by any means, and they never could have been a pro athlete, but they work their ass off, and they're super fit, and they're very healthy. They've never been a pro athlete, but they just stayed consistent with training and nutrition. There's a small percentage of pro athletes who are both genetically gifted and work hard. Uh, for example, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, like one of the hardest workers to ever live. And like that showed in both his skill on, on the court and also like his conditioning and all of that. But most professional athletes that I worked with, they were not that focused on working very hard. They were just always very good at what they did. And like, yes, they worked hard, but not as hard as most people think which is why once, you know, they retire and they stop training very much, like they get out of shape and they don't know what to do. And it also happens where it's super sad. I'm sure you see this all the time with professional athletes who made insane amounts of money, but they were never taught how to handle the money. So they had all this money coming in season over season. And then once they're retired, they're like, oh shit. And they're out of money because they didn't know how to manage it. Well, it's like, they just, they only saw all this money coming in, but they didn't know how to save it, how to invest it, which is, I think that's a huge problem with athletes. I think every athlete should, I think like every organization, I don't know if they have this or not should be, I I'm very into fighting and mixed martial arts. And I see a lot of these young fighters, the lifespan of a fighter 
in the actual sport is, is relatively short. And I think that they should be given like from the very beginning, part of the contract should be, we're giving you a financial advisor, X amount of your money is going into this. So that no matter what, like you're going to have savings to go off to have once your, your career is over, I feel like every athlete and every person in general, but every athlete needs that. Cause a lot of these athletes don't have any of this education whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just athletes. I think everybody needs that because, yeah. you know, for, if you take fighting, for example, some of these guys or girls are, you know, in their early twenties, they, they feel invincible, you know, they yes. don't think anything can hurt them. And then all of a sudden they get in a fight and they blow their leg out and it's over. Yeah. And then what do you do now after that? And that can happen, you know, in the real world with real people, not that fighters aren't real people, but you know, average yeah, people, if, if you're a carpenter and you smash your hand in a door, what are you going to do? Yep. You know, there's, you're going to need a backup plan. And that's, that's why I think, you know, that's a big reason why I started my show was I think financial literacy is, is so important for people. And it's just something that you really need to focus on. And part of that too, it's interesting. You said with athletes that, you know, maybe they don't work as hard as people thought. One of the things I've noticed that you like to do is sort of dispel myths. There was a video you sent out about burning fat in a specific area of your body. Like, Hey, you can't just do crunches to get abs. Like you got to burn it over your whole body, which is, you know, an unfortunate truth, but it is what it is. And everybody's body's going to burn it in different places first. I wonder just from what you've been working through, do you have any advice for people to help them dispel the noise out there? Because it's true. It's true in finance too. There's so much noise and you really got to pick through. I think for me personally, the best thing I would say is just to ed educate themselves and, and learn what is noise and then try to figure it out yourself. But I don't, I don't know if you've thought of anything in the nutrition world or otherwise that might help people. Yeah. So it's a really good question. And I understand now more than ever, it's very difficult. I'd say like 20, 20 years ago, plus it was difficult, but for a different reason, 20 years ago, plus the difficult part was finding the information, right? It was now the the convenience of going on your phone and, and Googling something and be, like finding an answer immediately is so easy. It's also, you could go on Instagram and have tons of different posts, like one nutritionist saying like, eat this because it's good for you. But then you the next scroll down is a nutritionist saying, well, don't eat the same exact thing because it's bad for you. So the ease and convenience of finding information is easier than ever, but it's so convoluted because everyone is saying this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. This is going to make you gain fat. This is going to make you lose fat. So there's a lot of contradictory information. So 20 plus years ago, the issue was getting access to the information. Now the issue is figuring out which information is right and which information is bullshit. So there's no easy way around this. And, and the base is, yes, educate yourself. But again, if you have two nutritionists, which we see this all the time, like everyone just says, oh, well, my nutritionist says this. It's like, yeah, nutritionists disagree all the time. There are different people, like there are lawyers, or people can be lawyers or police officers or nutritionists or strength coaches and completely disagree with each other. And they're equally educated. So again, like, how do you know who's right and who's wrong? Well, I think the best thing you can do is try for yourself, right? For me, like, I think the keto diet is fucking stupid unless you have a health condition that requires you to eat that way. Like, for example, epilepsy, the ketogenic diet was originally made to help epileptics. That's what it's for. And it's actually very effective to help with epileptic fits. If you don't have epilepsy, you should not be on the ketogenic diet. It's a really fucking stupid idea. People get mad when I say that. I'm like, fine, well, then just do it. Like, why do you care about my opinion so much? Like, if you enjoy doing the keto diet, then go for it. Fuck what I say, do it. I think it's fucking stupid because how long are you really gonna be able to maintain that? 
how long are you really going to be able to maintain not eating any carbohydrates? Do you really enjoy it that much? Like, is it actually that healthy for you? That's debatable, but you know, I'm not going to get into that. Let's just say, if you want to try it, go for it. If you really want to learn if it's good for you, do it, figure it out for yourself. I do that stuff all the time. I always run experiments on myself and try new things because that's the only way you're going to learn from there. Common sense is, is the easiest way to look at this. And so, for example, there's been a big movement lately talking about how fruit is bad for you, how fruit is going to make you fat because of the sugar. And people are, and, and there are doctors saying this, but like, don't eat fruit because the, the fruit and sugar, the sugar and fruit is going to make you fat. And when people are asking me about this, I'm always like, how many people do you know who got fat from eating fruit? How many fucking people gained the last 50 pounds from the bananas or the strawberries or the apples or the, oh yeah, you know, it was the blueberries that really packed on those last 50 pounds. Shut the, no, it wasn't the fucking blueberries. No one ever got fat from having fruit. It's not, that's not the problem. So it's it, another one is white rice. And in America, especially we've demonized white rice. We've demonized it. White rice is bad for you. Only have brown rice. It's like the Japanese, one of the healthiest populations in the entire world, eat white rice multiple times a day. This is like, it's a, one of the healthiest populations in the world eat it all the time. How come they're fine, but we're not? It's like, oh, it's probably because we're eating too fucking much. It's not the bowl of white rice that you're having with your chicken and vegetables. It's the, I don't know, like the whole box of, of cinnamon toast crunch that you're having. And then you're also having the Entenmann's donuts. And then you're also having a couple drinks at night. And then you're having not only just one plate of chips at the Mexican restaurant, but you're actually asking for extra chips and extra guacamole and all this stuff. And so you're eating, you're just eating too fucking much. It's not the small bowl of white rice. It's that's not a bad thing at all. People have eaten white rice for all of the, or the earth, all of the world for the entire time that we've been here. If white rice was that bad, we wouldn't be eating it anymore. Uh, no one would eat it. So it's really common sense things like this that I say like, all right, is it really bad or is it just the quantity? I think one of the most important phrases that you can learn in health and fitness is the dose determines the poison really more than anything, right? It's like, for example, I see all these fear mongering posts like, do you know what chemicals are on this? Do you know what chemicals are on that? I'm like, Number one, when anyone says like, really, you're, you're okay putting those chemicals in your body? I'm like, what if I, I asked you, like, would you be okay putting dihydrogen monoxide in your body? They'd be like, absolutely not. I'm like, so you're saying you wouldn't drink water. That's what dihydrogen monoxide is. Like everything is a fucking chemical. H2O, dihydrogen monoxide. You're drinking a chemical. Everything is chemical. But if you, if you look in different fruits, like there's formaldehyde in, in some fruits. Formaldehyde is what we put into dead bodies like to help preserve them. It's not the individual chemical. It's the dose of that chemical that you're consuming. It's like, and everything we eat is made up of chemicals. Everything we, we're breathing chemicals right now. Everything, you are a, a mix of chemicals. That's what we are. So just because something has chemicals in it doesn't mean it's bad. Just because something is processed doesn't mean it's bad. It's how much of it are you eating? How much of it, like, that's the most important part. So do your best to educate yourself and look at things from a critical eye. And I think the best critical eye is number one, trying it for yourself. And number two, trying to apply common sense and, and logical reasoning to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to sort of sum that up. And it's hard for me to put into words what goes on in my head sometimes. And I think dose determines the poison is a great way to say it. And that's, that's with finance too, you know. The, you know, your friend who offered you the NFTs, for example, you know, what's the dose? All right, I'll give you, you know, X number of dollars. It's not going to hurt my bank. It's not going to hurt me emotionally. It's not going to hurt me at all if I lose this money, but I'll throw a little bit in there. And it, it's kind of like with nutrition too, you know, you can have a piece of chocolate now and then it's not going to kill you, but don't eat it every day. Don't eat the whole bar. Don't eat, you know, three bars. Don't have a box of cinnamon toast crunch, like you say. 
And I think that's a great way to look at it. And I also think that trying out different methods is also a really good way to sum up fitness and finance. Like, you know, some people will do well with budgeting. Some people won't. You got to find what works for you. And it's all very personal. That's why I like talking to people who deal with fitness and kind of bring those lessons into the financial world. So with that being said, I think this has been a great interview. I really appreciate you coming on. It's super insightful to have someone like you on who's worked with pro athletes and has all the accomplishments that you have had. So with that, I'll just give you a chance to let anybody know where they can you know, find your content or your services. Thank um, you. Before we go. So first and before, before we hang, before we stop talking, I'm going to read a really quick thing. It's, it's an excerpt from a, an article by a guy named, by a guy named James K. Glassman, right? He wrote sure. this in, in 1997. This goes along with what I was just talking about, dihydrogen monoxide. And I want to bring this up because especially now on Instagram, you have to remember people are making content because the content they're making is designed to try and get as many likes and views as possible and followers. So they'll do things that have been proven to work for that. One of them is through fear mongering, right? With fear mongering on certain foods and, and chemicals and, and ingredients and all of that. So this guy in 1997 wrote, and I'll read a quick excerpt. Actually, the title of the article is Dihydrogen Monoxide Unrecognized Killer. And then he, he went on to say, the chemical compound dihydrogen monoxide or DHMO has been implicated in the deaths of thousands of Americans every year, mainly through accidental ingestion. In gaseous form, it can cause severe burns. And according to a new report, the dangers of this chemical do not end there. The chemical is so caustic that it accelerates the corrosion of corrosion and rusting of many metals, is a major component of acid rain, and has been found in excise tumors of terminal cancer patients. Symptoms of, of ingestion include excessive sweating and urination, and for those who have developed a dependency on DHMO, complete withdrawal means certain death. Yet the presence of this of the chemical has been confirmed in every river, stream, lake, and reservoir in America. Judging from these facts, you think dihydrogen monoxide should be banned? Seems like an open and shut case until you realize that this chemical compound is just water. That's it. It's just, it literally is just water. And and you have to remember, people are doing this all the time on social media. They're trying to scare you, telling you all these awful things about these chemicals and compounds. It's like if they were really going to kill you, they wouldn't be there. They, they, they wouldn't like, I, I promise you they're not. So that's that. Keep that in mind as you receive content from people who are demonizing certain foods. And lately a big one is seed oils and how terrible they are for you and whatnot, but just keep it in mind. And if you want to find my content, you can Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T. I'm on Instagram and YouTube and podcasts and all of that, but yeah, that's it. This has been a great talk and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's, it's all about the delivery, isn't it? You know, yeah. you could say, I, I actually love that article. I think that's hilarious. Obviously a very smart guy who or girl who wrote that. And I think that's awesome. So yeah, no, thanks a lot. This has been great on my side as well. So really appreciate Thanks, it. man. Well, good. Have a, have a good day. Joe is not a financial advisor and may have interest in the stocks discussed on the show. So do not take any information included within this podcast as a recommendation or formal advice. Thank you.